kind of the norm that we've grown to seeing the Aces this year. And albeit, they still don't have Candace Parker back in the lineup. She missed, I think, her third game in a row, I want to say. Yeah. I think second. Well, no, two. I don't know. No, I think it, yeah, it was three. Justin Russo's been covering the team, so I, I wouldn't know. I'm pretty sure it was three because she missed the game in Minnesota, missed Phoenix, and then missed L.A. Okay. Um, but we, we were talking, she probably may have been able to play L.A., but it was more of just a, I mean, especially in a back-to-back situation, probably better to give a player like Candace that has been around the league a while, has you know gained a lot of experience, kind of getting up there in age, maybe take the extra night off, get right you know for after the All Star break. It's not like the team is an eighteen and two anyway. And yeah, and and no, and no disrespect to LA, but I'm pretty sure Becky looked at the opponent. Yeah, now we got this. We all right. Dog, I feel bad for L.A. L.A. hasn't been healthy all year. L.A. was supposed to be one of them ones this year. They and were my pick. Like, outside, like if you told me you can't pick the Aces, you have to pick somebody else, like, L.A. was going to be my pick because, like, all right, you've got De'Ara Cahambi. You, you've gained a lot over the offseason. You haven't really lost a whole lot. You bring in Kurt Miller. You bring in a great coach in Kurt Miller who was in the WNBA Finals last year. Like, it all made sense, and it just hasn't come to fruition, unfortunately, for them. Like, they're... I, I don't know. They're they're kind of just stuck in a cycle, it seems like. But you look at the Aces and you look at what Asia Wilson's doing. I I mean, is she going to be the runaway MVP now? Like, I to me, that's the feel that you get is, to me, like the MVP, some people say, oh, it's not the best player. I say it's the most do- consistently dominant player in this league. And I don't think you look any further than Asia Wilson because when she steps on the court – you can just automatically put a little pencil in, pen in. You could put this in Sharpie if you wanted to. She's going to probably give you 20 points at least, and there's a good chance she's going to go for at least 10 rebounds. And depending on how the game's flowing, she could probably get you five or six assists as well. Like, her game is just molded perfectly for Becky Hammond's system. And really, if you watch the Aces, they kind of resemble a little bit of the Warriors in a sense of, They like to get the paint touch, but they're not dedicated to just the paint. It's not just a, we're going to pound you in the paint all night long. Granted, they generate a lot of layups from fast breaks and transition, but a lot of times they'll go to Asia in the paint, and then Asia will kick out to KP, or she'll kick to Jackie, or she'll take it back to Chelsea. Right. Or, you know, you'll see Chelsea a lot of times use Asia in the pick and roll. So there's different varieties that you get of Asia Wilson, and a lot of times, yes, she's a good scorer, but she's also really good at involving her teammates, just like the majority of the starting five is. We've seen Kelsey Plum become a more willing passer over the past couple of years. We know the type of passer Chelsea Gray is. So when you have a starting five that is all looking to make the right play and not just to play for themselves, I mean, it's no surprise you're getting 20, 25, 30-point wins on a pretty consistent basis. You you kind of just talked about it right now. This team isn't just winning. This team is dominating teams. No, they're beating the brakes off everyone. Dog, they beat the they beat the Sparks by nine to open the year, right? Then they beat them by twenty eight, and then they beat them this time by nineteen. And like you said before, if we go back and look at let's let's see if we can actually do that. Let's see if we can scroll down the schedule. Let's see the the margin of victory in most of these games. Let's start at the top of the year. 41. That's 40, like a joke. Wait, did you say 41? Who did they beat by 41? Seattle. Ooh, yeah, that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. 41, 9. Imagine having a 50 point point differential in your first two games. The, what's the rest of the league at? Like 10? I don't even think it's that. 
might be hovering around eight. I mean, we talk about run differential in baseball. Yeah, point, we do it all the time. Point differential, like, the aces, I mean, how many? Because the aces, like, if you think about it, their point differential for the year probably is, like. Close two, to 20. No, it's got to be more than that. It might be. We got 41, 9. What is that? 28, 21, 5, 4, 6. They lost. 13, 33, 31, 20. Yeah, you might be right. Is it triple digits? In total? They might be true. No, in total, yeah. I think I think they're way past that. I'm actually trying to look at the standings and figure it out. As of right now, they head into the all-star break. Where's the record? There you go. They head into the all-star break, 19 and 2 overall. Second team in the league, the New York Liberty, as most of us kind of expected going in. They're 14 and 4. So they're two full games behind in the loss column. And then we have Connecticut at 15 and 5. Are you surprised that Connecticut is still staying afloat? A little bit. I thought. With that injury that came up, um, Brianna Jones. Brianna Jones, thank you. Um, that she, her losing her was going to kind of take Connecticut a, a little bit of a step back, but you know maybe it's just. I mean, I don't really know what to make of Connecticut because I didn't expect a whole lot from them this year. This was, I mean, you lose Kurt Miller in the off season, you lose a bunch of your talent from last year's team, and. I thought, like, man, I mean, they're going to kind of be maybe middle of the road at best, but they might be, you know, fighting it out for a lottery pick. But they've been kind of that team that you, if you want to, you know, kind of label them as the pleasant surprise, as much as a pleasant surprise as a Connecticut team can be, um, given just their history throughout the league. They've always been a pretty decent team. But given the expectation, I think they've been kind of that pleasant surprise team that nobody really expected to be this good. And, I mean, you also look at a team like New York. Funny you mentioned New York because they're going to be coming here a little bit later on in the year. <laughs> yeah, man. For uh, an added game, if you will, the Commissioner Cup game that we said uh, Vegas was going to host. They clinched that probably in the first game that they played. I, I, I mean, they may have already clinched the home court, like, when they released the schedule, honestly. Like, yeah. Like, they just penciled in Vegas. Like, all right, we're going to go to Vegas this year. Uh, I mean, well, once you saw the offseason, I think you could have penciled it in. You didn't even need to see the schedule, I don't think. I think a lot of people saw the offseason and at the very least said, Commissioner Cup time, we're going to New York or we're going to Vegas. We're going to one of those two places. And I think, I mean, if you look at how it's played out, it's pretty much according to a lot of the predictions. It's Vegas versus New York. And we were talking about this before we started. Vegas is on pace to go 36-4 and four this regular season. They're on pace to lose less than five games in a 40-game season. This makes no sense. I mean, there's there's good, there's even great, and then there's what the Aces are doing, which is, I mean... You yeah, just, find you, another word for it. You, you, you can't. You just sit back and you go, all right, like, this, this is too good to explain. Like, I, I don't know if it is just a a mentality if everybody on this team is bought in which it seems like they for sure have but whatever it is i think you know vegas has to be really excited with what they've got on their hands in terms of uh this aces team and what the future holds later on down the road this year um i did see something on social okay that made me stop and think for a second because i don't think it's far off uh-uh. what if becky hammond Oh my God! Goes thirty six and four this year, even thirty five and five. Something right. something ridiculous. Goes all the way, goes back to back. How many NBA calls is she getting? So I got to think about how many NBA vacancies there'll be. No, how many NBA calls is she going to get? 
like how many teams are going to make a vacancy to call Becky Hammond? Now that's a better question. I if I'm a GM, I would. If I it because that's a damn good question. Like think about this. If you are Minnesota, mm-hmm. and you're kind of disgruntled with the head coach, mm-hmm. Chris Finch, I believe. Is Becky Hammond a better head coach than Chris Finch? So you got Minnesota. So if I'm if I'm gonna give you a number, the number that popped out when you said what you said out of thirty teams, I got eight. I got at the very least eight calling. And I think it's one of those you hand Becky Hammond a blank check and you let her write the number. I mean, but let's get it. I mean, well, obviously the WNBA's money doesn't compare to the NBA's money. However, I also think you got to give it's bigger than just money because just by nature of the land, I think if she well when she gets that call, it's going to be the biggest check that she signed in general. Becky's going to need you're going to have to entice Becky with power. Why not? If I'm not just a head coach here in Vegas. Why not? If you're a team that sucks in the NBA, what more do you have to lose? Because I think Becky Hammond has the serious potential to be an elite coach in the NBA. Far better than any of these middle-of-the-road coaches that we just hire and that's in the cycle. And maybe they, you know, a team hires them because they got a star player and they feel like the star player is going to run the show and the coach is just going to kind of be there in the background. No, if you want a legitimate head coach that you can put in the conversations with the Greg Popoviches, with the Steve Kerr's of the of the world and the NBA, you hire Becky Hammond. This is the Aces knew exactly what they were getting with Becky Hammond. They it was no secret, it was no surprise. They had had their eye on Becky Hammond for quite some time. It, you know, even though Bill Lambeer didn't necessarily come out and point blank say, "Yeah, I had kind of a date in mind when I wanted to step away." In the back of his mind, he knew there's going to become a time that I want to step away. And I want to make sure this franchise is in really good hands after that. Becky Hammond has come in and done just that. And we have these similar conversations with a person like Lindy LaRock. Right. How long before a big-time school comes knocking at Lindy LaRock's door ready to offer her a huge contract because of everything that they're accomplishing in their respective on their respective teams in their respective fields? I think it's, I mean... Obviously, being from Vegas, I want to see them around for a long time. Right. But I understand if a bigger and better offer comes around that, you know, instead of making, what is Becky Hammond making, about a million dollars a year or something like that? I was just going to say that, yeah. Sounds about right. I mean, she has the potential to quadruple or even, you know, make. I was going to say quadruple. Yeah, at least quadruple that. And, I mean, we saw um, Greg Popovich sign a, was it five-year extension? How much was that worth? Like sixty million? Let's it, look at Pop's extension. It was crazy. I, I mean, it was well warranted. Contract is a is a uh, a million a million a year. Yeah, and so you have the potential to go from, let's just say, because she does some ESPN work, so let's just say one point five a year. Pop is getting more than eighty. Pop got eighty M's. Eighty over eighty for five. Eighty right? M's, and I get Victor. Eighty was it? Eighty over five? Yeah. So that no more than eighty. No, give him the more than. It's eighty plus over five. I would pay Becky Hammond at least that. Seriously, Ooh. you will see the return on investment. I don't know, man. Only reason why I, I don't want to say Becky's not worth that by no means. Um, what if Becky went to a place like Detroit, and obviously they just let Monty Williams kind of uh take over the show there, right? 
highest paid coach in history, six years. I would feel bad for Becky if she went to Detroit. I wouldn't because she can turn it around. You don't think there's no piss poor team in the league right now that Becky couldn't turn around? No, because she has plenty of experience in coaching the younger talent of the league. She took a Spurs team all the way to the um, Summer League Championship and won. Indeed. All those guys are first, at most, second-year guys. So it's not like they got a whole bunch of experience in the league. It's not like these guys are bona fide scrubs. Like, they're just young players that are developing. And for whatever reason, Becky Hammond has a pretty good knack for getting the most out of every player on that team. So to say, like, oh, she has to go to a Detroit. She has to go to, not going to pick on your team, but. Relax. In in India, I mean, come on. If you got the chance to get Becky Hammond to the Pacers. Do it right now. Exactly. (laughs) Do it right now. (laughs) Do it today. Um, No, it's not the Rick Carlisle, but yeah, you get the point. Becky's going to be lauded after by a lot of the league. And Detroit's not that bad of a situation because you get the Jaden Ivey. You get the Cade Cunningham. Like, Becky could make do with what she's got. Right. She's pretty good at getting everything out of the situation and then some. So... That's why I would, I, if I'm a GM, I'm not hesitant to dish out the dollar signs for Becky Hammond. I think she will get, oof. Yeah, I don't know, man. I guess it depends on the size of the contract. Because, again, if you're pulling me from the W, like you said, I kind of need five, maybe guaranteed at least a four. Like, I'm not going any anywhere lower than four because let's just say she signs a four-year contract. Let's say she stinks it up, right? I don't think that'll happen, but let's say she stinks it up and she gets fired after year two. A five-year deal, maybe you're more inclined to give them a little bit more time. If Monty Williams sucks for the next two years, are they firing him going into year three? Probably not. They might think about it, but they may not. Right. It probably becomes a conversation start of year three, and then we'll see what happens. I think Becky, at the very least, should command a five-year deal five at the year. next level. If Again, I, but if I'm her, I'm I can't go anything less than four. I need something that is, you know what I mean. I need I need I need some sort of commitment to me as well. I'd have no problem giving her five fifty over five, making it a ten million dollar a year deal, because again, if you're a GM and you're going to spend that type of money for a middle of the road head coach in the NBA that may not move the needle for your franchise, like we've seen time and time again with we a may lot have of these it this this season. Yeah, exactly. We're going to probably see. Seven or eight, maybe even more teams in the in the NBA that have a middle-of-the-road head coach. They're going to get a middle-of-the-road result. They're going to wonder why they're in such a cycle that they are. They, they can't get to the next level. They can't compete with the top contenders of the NBA. And then they're going to go, oh, well, it's probably the head coach's fault. And then they're going to fire that guy. They're going to hire another middle-of-the-road guy. It's going to be the same cycle. Like, if you are a GM and you're hiring Becky Hammond, you have officially told your franchise, we're tired of being in this piss-poor cycle of mediocrity. So I have numbers for you. The average salary for an NBA head coach is three point five million. Don't tell Pop that <laughs> at all. <laughs> NBA head coaches actually have a minimum salary. What's the minimum of twenty five thousand per game, which equals out that if the coach coaches all eighty two games, an NBA coach can't make less than two million. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you're and def- Becky is the highest paid coach in league history with a million dollars per year in the at, W. In the W. And, I mean, she's probably not going to be the highest paid coach in the NBA if she were to make the jump. Not initially, at the very least, for sure. But if you if somebody came up to her and said, we can e- even if they said, we'll give you 
$25 million over five years, averaging out to $5, five million a year. That's still way Which more. Which is what I think she'll probably end up with. <laughs> Again, whatever the number is, like, you have to look at her entire body of work, and there's not much of a flaw to it. She came into the Aces year one, and we talk about year one coaches all the time in sports. Sometimes they're great. A lot of times they're not. Like, sometimes they take a lot. There's a lot of those growing pains, and sometimes it takes two, three, four years to get it going. She came in year one, set all sorts of records, broke a bunch of franchise records, um, you know, was, you know, won the Commissioner Cup, won everything in sight, and the, including the, the, you know, WNBA championship, won that in four games, like, had an in- incredible playoff run where they basically ran through everybody in the playoffs. Like, yeah. there, were, there were some series that were, you know, competitive, but you kind of knew who the better team was in a lot of those series, and it wasn't really all that close. Like, I said in the WNBA Finals, Con's great. You can't convince me the Aces aren't the best team out of these two teams here because they got, you know, you look back at that series, Con got their one game they, where they blew the doors off the Aces, I don't know. Maybe it was travel related. Who knows? Like you go to, I, I don't. I don't blame the Aces. I mean, Con kind of plays in the middle of nowhere, anyway. So um, you trying to piss off every middle of the road like city? That's all right. I mean, raise your hand if you want to go to Connecticut. Like at some the, point, you're you, gonna have to go. So I, I'm probably I'm not saying nothing. I, I mean, what is in Connecticut outside of the arena? You know what's funny? This is what I will say. This is a Thursday night show, so I'll get it off. My play brother DJ. Shout out to my guy DJ. He has family in Connecticut, so we always teased him growing up, right? Like, you got family in Connecticut. Who Who's black and lives in Connecticut? Let's be honest. Who lives in Connecticut? That's a valid point. I got an answer for you. So he said he was driving, and he said his family always told him, um, st- stick to the to the rivers and lakes you're used to, right? He said he was driving. He said, and of course, and my, my brother plays his music super loud. And he said, and this was maybe 10 years ago. He said he made a ride onto a street. He said, and the street automatically looked different. He said, so he's driving down. He said it's a, it's a cul-de-sac. So he said he gets to the end of the block and he gets to go turn around. And through somebody's drive or in somebody's driveway, he can see three hooded people and a cross. He said they slowly turn. They look toward the street. He said it was like it wasn't even an anger that came from him. He said there was literally a state of shock that he was that bold to be in that area with that loud music. And I can show you a picture of him, too. The way he looks doesn't help with tattoos all, of his, all over his face. He hit me instantly and was like, do me a favor. Don't come out here. I have no interest in going to, in going to Connecticut. Trust me. Yeah, no. I, I, if I go to Connecticut, I'm staying in the Mohegan Sun Arena, and I'm not leaving. I mean, that's the only place to stay there. Like, and that's, I mean, I... That's like Reno with Circus Circus. It's bad up there, dog. No, it is. Like, I, I <laughs> because I looked at, like, you know, I, I had a, you know, halfway thought of maybe going out for the finals. And then I realized, yeah, Mohegan Suns is, like, the only thing there. So. Yeah, do it this year when you got to go to the Barclays. Yeah. I mean, the Barclays, is, at least there's something to do in Brooklyn. Like, the, Oh, no, there's a lot to do in Brooklyn. Yeah, at me. least there, you can go out and do stuff. Like, in Connecticut, like, there's the Mohegan Sun... So, okay, there's a casino. We have a billion of those here. Right. And then that's, like, it. Like, there's some trees. There's some grass. Like, there's nothing else to do in Connecticut they outside are, of the everybody's Mohegan. Gonna, dog. <laughs> everybody's going to hate you after this. I mean, it's a Thursday night show. So, I mean, you already know. It, it's a little, you know. It's off the rails is what it is. Yeah. Uh, so, that, I'm guessing that. <laughs> and we haven't even gotten to the other part of the W. Though, at right? all. <laughs> and I'm getting, we're getting to it now. 
because I'm I'm pretty sure that with everything you just said, I'm pretty sure that you're happy that the All-Star Weekend is taking place here in Vegas. Thank God. Yeah, man. We are back in Vegas for the WNBA All-Star Game. I'm not going to lie. I missed the last one, and I was pretty tight about it. So I made sure I was up on things this time around. It begins tomorrow. It's lit, man. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for this. The festivities begin tomorrow, Friday, July 14th. And then they end on Saturday. They end on Saturday with the All-Star Game. I want to let you guys know what what's uh, what to look forward to rather tomorrow. You have the Skills Challenge in, in a new format too, right? They went to a two-person team format. So I'm going to be honest with you. I don't – it's not like – well, if they watch – if people watch the NBA's uh, Skills Challenge – it's 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 similar to that in terms of the three person team, the relay, things of that nature. But we were actually looking before the, the show started, trying to figure out the exact step by step for the show or for the skills challenge. It's looking like I'm gonna show it tomorrow and be surprised. So that's what it, that's what it looks like right now. I do know everybody that is participating. You have Team Aces, you got the point guy, you got Chelsea Gray, and you got KP, you got Kelsey Plum. For the Dallas Wings, you have Satu Sabali and Enrique Ogumbawale. For the Atlanta Dream, you have Alicia Gray and Cheyenne Parker. And then for the New York Liberty, you have Courtney Vandersloot and Sabrina Ionescu. You want to give me your winner? I think by default you got to go KP, right? Well, no, it's teams. Oh, teams. So, you, so you're going aces? Yeah. I mean, you got you to go with the home team. You know what's funny? I really hope KP doesn't hear this. She's already on one. She is. She's on fire right now, dog. And the the sad part is, like, I I know that she's probably going to bring it up if she does hear it. All things considered in a skills challenge, and you want me to pick against Courtney Vandersloot and Sabrina Ionescu? Absolutely. I don't know that I can, brother. I don't. I don't know that I can, dog. I don't. I think I got Team Liberty in this one, brother. I think at the very least we're getting New York and, 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 and Vegas in the finals, right? Yeah. Watch Dallas win it all. Watch Enrique go absolutely stupid. I have no idea. I, I think I'm going Liberty on this one, brother. I, I got to be in the house, too. Like, I hope I don't got to look Kelsey in her eye after this. Like, oh, my God, bro. She's going to be like, so you picked who again? No, I know Kelsey. Kelsey will probably put a hand on my shoulder and be like, so. Who was your pick? Um, But let's get to it, man. I really hope I don't have to eat these words. You know, I always say KP plays the best when the, the chips are kind of stacked against her a little bit. So Maybe I shouldn't have did that. Then. Maybe it's the perfect storm. <laughs> well, you got aces everywhere this weekend, as you would expect to with the, being the best team in the league. You got Jackie Young footing the bill for the Las Vegas Aces in this three-point contest. She's also going against Sabrina Ionescu, Kelsey Mitchell, Sammy Wickham, Arike Ogumbawale, and then finally Dijanae Carrington. You want to give me your winner for this one? Jackie's a little bit of a surprise. I didn't think they would put Jackie in the three-point contest. So let's get, let's go over the numbers. Well, she leads the league in three-pointers this year, or in three-point percentage this year. Really? So she, she takes five a game. She knocks down about two and a half, so she's about 49%. Her first three years in the league, this is what's so interesting. 32%, 23%, 25%. She never took more than 1.3 a game. The last two years, she's been at 43% and 49%, never averaging more than, or never averaging less than 3.4 a game. How many does Sabrina average a game? That's a good question. You might have to talk in between while I pull it up. Because of those list of names, I, I told you Jackie's the surprise one. I didn't think, 
I didn't realize her numbers were that great. Um, off the rip, I would probably go with Sabrina, but again, I don't know if if Sabrina's just one of those that's Sabrina like, takes six and a half a game for her career. It's a little bit more than Jackie. And she's a career 36% three-point shooter. But Jackie is a better percentage. Mm, I think it's Jackie and Sabrina in the finals. Really? And I would say Sabrina slightly. Okay. Because I'm not sure if Jackie's going to have the endurance to consistently knock down shots through all the rounds. I, I just feel like Sabrina might have a slight bit more endurance, but... That's a hell of a matchup, Jackie versus Sabrina. I'm going to throw another name in there, because especially because I've seen her a couple of times this year, and I, I watched what she was able to do against the Aces. I get there's nobody in front of her, but I watched what happens when Kelsey Mitchell locks in. Don't let Kelsey Mitchell find a groove. If she finds a groove, nobody will be close. It'd be the nobody. Bright, it would be the bright spot for Indiana, right? A couple of them. You, you got to look at Aaliyah and be like, no matter what <laughs> this, no matter where this season ends up, you got to look at Aaliyah and, and be pretty happy with, which, with, I guess, your return on investment. Uh, but that's going to be on Friday night, or Friday, I should say. That takes place tomorrow at 1 p.m. And then Saturday. Saturday, the All-Star game. Wait, the skills contest is during the day? Yeah. How long is it supposed to go till? That's a valid question. I would assume it's a, let's assume it's a three, no more than four hour event. Interesting. <coughs> Excuse me. That is very interesting. So, I mean, if you still wanted to leave there and catch summer league games, which is probably what I'm going to do on Saturday, on Friday, I won't be able to do it on Saturday <coughs> for obvious reasons. This all-star game, Team Wilson, Team Stewart, I think Team Wilson is favored by six points. Team Wilson's favored by six points. I think it's actually going to be more lopsided than you think. You're good. Do you have the, the key card? Okay, cool. As long as you got it. All right, bet. Um, so I think it's going to be Team Wilson by a lot. <laughs> That's just my humble yeah, opinion. I mean, there's no discussion. It's Team Wilson. Just pick a number by how much they're going to be. Because, I, I mean, when the rosters were announced, I sent you the roster. I said, now, come on. This ain't that. Stop it. This isn't fair, Even if I, if I know... And this is with all due respect to to Brianna Stewart, obviously, because she has teammates to go get to go get as well. But if I see Asia Wilson slowly stacking her team with aces, I'm gonna throw throw you off your game, and I'm snatching one of them. That's what I even I, if I don't want one, I'm snatching one of them just so you can't have them. That was my biggest surprise when I saw the roster. I said, "Wait a minute, all of them made it on the same team? Not one of them is on the opposing team? Not one?" Because it was like that last season. Um, Jackie. Jackie was the lone um, ace on the other on the other side. And Asia said throw everything at her on defense. Oh, she <laughs> Any, Anytime she gets the ball, dog, rush her, blitz her in, in, instantly. But welcome, like, to, welcome to the All-Star game, Jackie, by the way. <laughs> and on top of that, like on top of all the aces being on the same team, you've got your favorite player on this team. Yeah, man. Arike is such a baller, bro. Like. I mean, this reminds me of, like, you know, you, you pick teams, like, on the playground, and you look and you go, oh, hey, hey, who let that team get assembled? Like, yo, you got to split that team up. Like, you got to go here. You got to go. Hey, we, we, we've <laughs> seen that happen on playgrounds, right, where you see, like, the third pick and be like, oh, oh hell no, wait, hold on, nah, nah, start over. 
We starting over right now. <laughs> we starting over right the hell now. I'm what? Because su- who's the other captain? Sabrina, right? Uh, Brianna. Brianna Stewart. I'm surprised Brianna didn't, like, after the third ace, like, no, 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 we're not doing this. Like, we're not. Brianna did ask a valid question thinking about the house. She said, does uh, the miss twice get a slice still apply? And if that's the case, does it apply for both teams? No, just you, because all the aces are on one team. <laughs> That would have been my answer. And it's a valid answer because they are all on one team. <clears throat> I've been laughing way too hard. Oh, man. <clears throat> Whew. All right. So I wouldn't typically tell you guys about ticket prices, but here's the reason why I'm going to do it. So course size seats for the All-Star game is $1,000. It's an All-Star game, so it needs to, you know, we'll see what bit, happens. A little bit. And then the rest of these tickets, we got $575, $425, $168, $50. Uh, what do we have? 28 and then the suites are 125. It's not bad for a suite, actually. Not bad at all. So when I look at these prices for the skills challenge and three-point contest, $50 for a suite. It's per person. I just looked at it. Per person. <laughs> I was about to say. I was about uh, to say we can I might go get one. Then you got 200, 125, 100, and then you got $10 tickets in a lower bowl. Dog. And you told me this thing starts at one? Yeah. Dog. Pull it together. Dog. $50 per person. Go get a suite. Dog. Because, like, I, the thing is, I don't got to be at Aviators till, like, 5, 5.30. Yeah, valid point. You might be able to do it. You might be able to pull it off. I might have to hit a homie up tomorrow. I think and you be, might be able be to like, pull let's, it off. And be like, let's go to the Hit up Joey. Hit up Justin. Let's hit up some go, people. Let's go. Let's go to the house. Come on. <laughs> but the reason why I brought this up is because you look at all-star games in the NBA, right, or just all-star weekends, and you literally go – Four rows up from starting from the, the, the court side uh, seats. Maybe go four rows, three, four rows up. And you can circle the entire court. And you probably know everybody, whether it's celebrities, coaching, coaches, coaching staff, players, whatever, the, former players, whatever the case may be. Why is Alicia Clark a member of this Las Vegas Aces team? And asking Kathy Engelbert for tickets on Twitter. You said, "Who's who's asking for him?" Alicia Clark. Oh, why is Kelsey Plum, I didn't who was participating in I, the Skills Challenge and the All Star Game, requesting tickets for family because she don't have any? She doesn't have any. I I saw her tweet that and say, "I'm sure this could be fixed before the weekend, right, Kathy?" And somebody responded to KP and said, well, I got two tickets in Section 107. I'm, I don't think I'll be able to go anymore. If I don't go, you can have them. KP said, thanks. I actually might need those. How bad does this league look? The look of the league is terrible. I mean, how many conversations did we have last season about, you know, being in – 2022 being you know 25 plus years in the league that the you know the league's been around and these are supposed to be the premier women's college basketball or not women's college basketball women's professional basketball players in the entire world and we got them booking on a commercial flight outside of well if you take away the commissioner cup and you take away the WMA finals they flew commercial the entire year hold on you mean to tell me Asia Wilson is what? And now, I mean, to the league's credit, they finally are now semi-private. So, right. Oh, we went to a new terminal. Great. 
I mean, come on. Uh, if that's the thing, if that's the way we're going to have it, then why doesn't LeBron fly commercial? Why doesn't Kevin Durant fly commercial? Why doesn't any of these other guys fly commercial in the NBA? Mainly because, you know, to the NBA's credit, they generate more money than the WNBA. But at that same token, I look at that and go, that's great. The WNBA is a sub-league of the NBA. It's Pause under- right there. Because I'm going to end up getting frustrated behind this. And... This is the WNBA has been around for what twenty six years now. I think twenty six, twenty seven, twenty seven now. Yeah. All right. So I know people like to look at the NBA now and they'll say certain things like, "Oh, the NBA generates so much more money than the WNBA." Whatever the case may be, right? However, the NBA in year twenty five did not generate what it generates now. In fact, through the first 15 years of both leagues, revenue was pretty equal. So the argument that the W doesn't make what they make because, oh, the NBA makes more, it didn't always. I did just see Alicia's Clark tweets. Yeah. That's bad. This is not a good look for the league. You have, first of all, you know for a fact that the NBA will send, for instance, KD. Right? Katie hasn't played in the last two All-Star games, I don't think. Let's just say Katie doesn't want to show up. Let's just say he's going to go on vacation, which most of these athletes do. You think the NBA got a ticket and or a couple of extra tickets for Kevin Durant, just in case? Absolutely. I don't think... I don't think any of the big stars in the NBA have to worry at all about tickets to anything. Bro, I don't think, and this is with all due respect to him, because I'm about to say a random name, I don't think Killian Hayes has to worry about tickets to the All-Star game. No. I don't think Isaiah Stewart, I'm, I'm picking on Pistons right now, but you get, you guys get my point. I don't think anybody in the league has issues about tickets. Why does it W? I mean, and that's the thing. <laughs> You're talking about... Ke- Especially for players that are in the All-Star Weekend. So you want Kelsey to play in an All-Star game and not have Darren there? Yeah, have fun with that conversation. Like, if that, <laughs> I would love to be in that room with Kelsey and Kathy Engelberg. I think, that, I think that would be a great conversation. No, you don't? Yes, I, I want to be a fly no, on the I want, I want to see. No, you don't. <laughs> because Kelsey will go off. And <laughs> shout out to Kelsey. Or no, shout, well, shout out to Kelsey too, but shout out to Kathy. Because... Yes, we rip into Kathy. We're going to rip into any commissioner, right? Any boss, any GM, whatever the case may be. We rip into Kathy. Kathy has a pretty good sense of humor about everything. This ain't funny, though. That's the sad part. That's the problem. (laughs) If this was funny, Kelsey would be laughing about it. And she's not. And I think, honestly, I think Kelsey kind of feels a little like she's gotten the short end of the stick a lot. Which is why with with Kathy and 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 her jovialness, when she brought Kelsey that super small trophy Kelsey ain't like that no she (laughs) She ain't like that at all I mean she obviously when the cameras are around she went along with it and all that she probably looked at Kathy behind the scenes and said take this shit back where it came from she was like dog this was my original point like I meant what I said like I meant what I said about our miniature ass trophy so you giving me a smaller trophy is really gonna piss me off and we're and we're and it's not even for the all-star game that they're wanting to get it's for the all the um, All Star Friday night it, in the NBA. It's All Star Saturday night, right? But the Skills Challenge on Friday, 
when we just went over to ticket prices, the cheapest ticket to get in the door is five bucks. The the lower bowl tickets are ten dollars. Like you're telling me as a league, you don't have sixty dollars to spare for six additional tickets so that Kelsey and her family can enjoy All Star Friday? You've got to be kidding me, WNBA. You've got to be kidding me. It's gross. I wish I had an answer for it. I don't. I hope that if it's not corrected this weekend, I don't think it'll overshadow it, but I hope that this doesn't go away this entire weekend. And I hope the league has to deal with it this entire weekend. Oh, no. I think I, I honestly, I would like to, ask, or I would, I mean, obviously, I would like to. I would like somebody there to ask Kelsey point blank. Did the ticket situation get fixed? And people may go, oh, no, I want to know. I'll ask her tomorrow. I'll do it. I'll ask her. Because if that answer is, because Kelsey will give you the honest answer. She will. She'll she'll tell you if it's yes or no. Like, she's not going to sugarcoat nothing. She's going to tell you as it is. If that answer is a no. mm. And, And when Alicia said what she said on Twitter, um, Asia quoted it and said, just say you got to get something from your locker and I'll come grab you. I'm sorry, Alicia, but we've been around Alicia, right? A handful of times and super genuine. So I don't even know if she has this anger in her body. But dog, you've been around me. Certain things aren't taking place in my house and I'm not coming. If I'm Alicia Clark, oh, I'll be there. Oh, and guess what? I brought Kia with me. Oh, guess what? KB is here. Oh, Kayla George is here. The Aces are here. It's in their arena. I dare you guys to turn me away. Trust me. If I'm Alicia Clark, I'm showing up. Trust me. And it will be a whole big thing at this front door if we got an issue. Let Becky Hammond handle it. I like. To, I would love to see that. Because Becky will. Now, I would pay to see that conversation. Because Becky going to tell Kathy as it is. I tell you what, at the end of that conversation, Kelsey, Alicia Clark... Anybody that needs tickets would have tickets. I might have a couple extra tickets. I might. I mean, yeah, Becky might get everybody in Vegas a couple extra tickets if she get to talk to Kathy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm excited. Monday, we'll give you guys a full breakdown of it. Uh, are you in it? Are you on a show Monday? Uh, maybe. I have to look at my schedule. Thursday for sure. Monday, possibly. All right. So we'll see what's happening on Monday. I know we have the Summer League Championship game on Monday at 6 p.m. So I will be headed right out of here, straight to campus. And take care of some business. So let's get to summer league talk while we're while we're right here. Um, just in terms of the standings, the top four teams, the top four teams make the semifinals on Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or is it sa- do they play Saturday? Or do they have them play S- Sunday? Have, the the semifinal games are Sunday. They haven't played back to back days. Ooh. Yes, because the fifteenth is yes. So. With that said, the four semi the four semifinal teams will play on Sunday. Top two will advance to the championship game on Monday. As it presently stands, this is what's so interesting about Summer League. Cleveland and Houston are both 4-0. The Utah Jazz in 3-0. And then the Brooklyn Nets, Portland Trail Blazers, New Orleans Pelicans, and the Atlanta Hawks are all 3-1. To make things worse, the next eight teams after that also have one loss. They're just 2-1. So what do they do in this shorter, condensed uh, summer season? They go by point differential, right? Out of these, what is that, five, four? Out of these four, 
Three and one teams. The Brooklyn Nets would be in the semifinals because their point differential is 10 as of right now versus 6.3 for the Blazers and just over two for the other two teams. Do you like this? Mm. Just say no. Yeah, I mean, I lean towards no. I do. Because if you're making the tiebreaker a point differential, you're essentially encouraging the team to run the score up, is how I look at it. Now, again, because, like, you have to, if the more points you win by, the better your point differential is going to be. In this instance, in this scenario, it might be the best tiebreaker we have to go off of because you probably run into a lot of teams that are with the same record or, you know, maybe they split their head-to-head or whatever the case may be or they maybe they didn't play head-to-head. Right. So by default, maybe in this instance you do have to go off point differential. I'm just not a fan of that being a tiebreaker, though, to decide because, I mean, one team might have a cakewalk of a schedule the first, you know, four or five games, right? Yep. And then the other team that, you know, they're tied with, they may have to go through a lot of good teams and maybe their point differentials five and the other teams is 27. So stay there because clearly my answer to do I like this is no. But the answer would be where do you go from here, right? And I think it was 2019, maybe. I think every team got two default summer league games and then they went right into the tournament. But it was single elimination in the tournament, but you still would get your four games guaranteed. So let's say you lost your third game, which would be the first game of the tournament. You went to the loser's bracket. You still got your fourth game. Why did we leave that? I don't know, man. I will say this. I've seen these summer league rings from this year. They're nice. They're fire, dog. I damn near want to call Jason of Beverly Hills right now and be like, give me the ticket. And if you tell me 100000 like you told me the other ring was, not going to get it. <laughs> Definitely not going to get it. But these summer league rings are fire, dog. Um, who you got? If, these, if, if the top four would be Cleveland, Houston, Utah, and Brooklyn, where are you going? Hmm. See, I think Houston by default could be good. Okay. I like what I've seen out of them. I saw Utah push around the Nuggets for a good time yesterday. Although I like Julian. I hate do I hate doing that to the Nuggets, but really if you take Julian away from that team, Nuggets aren't good. <laughs> they got they got flat out bullied by the Jazz yesterday. It was it's bad. Um mm. I think we could have a finals of the Jazz and the Rockets. I think the Rockets beat the Jazz. Okay. I don't know who else they play, but I like Cleveland. And the reason why I like Cleveland is because I think he didn't play the fourth quarter today. But you look at you look at the Houston team, right? And Amen Thompson is already done for the summer with, with the ankle injury. You look at Jabari Smith, he's going to be a big part of what they're doing heading into the, the following year. Therefore, he's, he's probably not going to play anymore, right? I look at Cleveland. Who's the best player in Cleveland right now? The answer is Sharif Cooper. 
Sharif Cooper has been one of the top three summer league players in the last two summer leagues. He is quietly doing it again for Cleveland. Not only do I think Cleveland wins it, one of these two games, either the semifinal game or the championship game, one of these joints is going to be very lopsided. Again, the reason why I'm pointing to this is because Sharif's probably not going to play next year. And if he does play, he's probably not going to play much. He's definitely not going to start over Darius Garland, right? Right. Why not burn him? I don't know, man. I guess we'll see what happens. Um, oh, <clears throat> before we head into hour number two of the show, I want to let you guys know, I went to Summer League today. And um, by the way, when you're a top three pick, your schedule is disgusting. It's just filthy. It's just a filthy setting. Uh, I went to go talk to Scoot tonight. Scoot had an appointment at like 8.30. And I, it was like 8.21 when I was trying to talk to him. So this isn't going to work. You're already running late for your appointment. Go ahead and get out of here. But I was able to secure my interview with Leonard Miller of the Mil- almost said Milwaukee of the Minnesota Timberwolves. That is the 33rd overall pick in this year's NBA draft. And again, a, a former, I guess we could say alumna, not even a former member, but an alum of the G League Ignite. And I'll give you guys the 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 basis for the story really quick. I try to, especially whenever you you have feature stories that you have to tell about these players, you want to find interesting ways to do so. G League season's going on. I'm going through Leonard's bio. His favorite TV show is One Piece. Okay. I'm an anime fan. However, there are anime stands. And Leonard is one of those. So One Piece was always one of those animes that my anime stand friends would tell me, you got to watch it. Cool. So I seen it was his favorite, his favorite show. So I said, you know what? I'm going to watch this show to try to get some insight about Leonard. I'm watching the show. I'm maybe 10 minutes in. I find out the main character, Luffy, is made of rubber. And one of the first ways he shows it, he extends his arm. I'm 10 minutes into the show and I said, boom. Leonard is Luffy. Luffy is Leonard. These guys are the exact same people. Luffy has, uh, uh, well, Luffy is in, is somewhere new, basically. He's not in a familiar territory. Leonard is from Canada. So I'm looking at these parallels. Luffy changes form. I'm asking Leonard, you were a point guard and now you're a forward. Like, what are we, how many, how many parallels do you guys have? Leonard kind of smiled and laughed and was like, you know what? I never thought of it, but it seems like a lot. So I got that story. I'm working on that story. I'm excited for that story. I'm not even going to lie to you. I'm trying to figure out artwork for it. I have this idea, but I can't draw. And I don't want to put like pressure on like a dead, like a, like a crazy deadline for somebody to get me what I want. But I think I'm going to reach out to somebody and give them a crazy deadline. Because the idea in my head is too fire. And if it comes out the way it's envisioned in my head to go along with this story, I think a lot of people will enjoy this story for several reasons. We are heading into hour two of the Talk That Talk radio show. Technically speaking, we got four topics. Supposed to be 15 minutes on each topic. I don't think we're going to get to 15 minutes on each topic. So we'll probably get out of here 1140-ish maybe. We'll see what happens. 
Um, I told Matt before the show started, just so you guys can kind of know, just a little peek behind the curtain. I told Matt, I do not want to do this tonight. Just full transparency. This was a Monday. I probably wouldn't be that honest, but I did not want to do tonight's show. I love you guys. Um, hour number two of the Talk That Talk radio show here from the Harry Reid Research and Technology Park. If you guys are still joining via Facebook Live, we appreciate you. I guess your jinx didn't work. Hopefully I didn't do it just now. You probably did. I, I might have. Um, you want to talk All-Star for baseball? Let's do it. You want to talk All-Star for baseball? So let's start with the Home Run Derby first. I'm angry. Why? See, why'd you say that? Why'd you ask me why? Because Vladdy Jr. won. See, all right. So I'm glad you I'm glad you know me because last year, who did I pick? Did you pick Or two Vlad? years ago? Did you pick Vlad? I picked Vlad. So that means you know I would pick Vlad again. Yeah. He played me. He played the hell out of me. A week before the Derby. You, we all know these quotes. He said, I'm just going to go out there. I'm going to swing and have fun. Oh, we did a lot of that. <laughs> Once I heard have fun, I said, oh, no, no. I've seen people in the dunk contest say, I'm just going out there to have fun. And you lay an egg. Shaden Sharp, John Wall, certain people like that, they go in and be like, nah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to steal the show. Aaron Gordon, they'll tell you. And then those are usually the people that put on great performances. Vlad said he was going. He was going in there to have fun. I said, "I'm not picking Vlad. I'm not picking Vlad. You won't make. We won't make a fool out of me." But do you remember the other name on the other side of the bracket that I said he'll be in the finals? Um, I do. It's I'm Randy gonna, or Rosarena. I was gonna say the guy from Tampa, Randy or Rosarena. So I'm at summer league. I realized halfway through the first quarter, oh, Homer Derby's on. I pull out the iPad. I get it up. I'm in the semis already. Oh, I missed the first round. The left side of the bracket semis is done. So I'm like, dog, I didn't miss half the damn derby. I see Randy Arozarena in the finals. I said, well, Matt got to pat me on the back next time we do the show. And then the rest is history. We watched what Vlad was able to do. Vlad Jr. actually became the first father-son duo to do it. Vlad has, I believe, two home run derby uh, titles, and now Junior has one. Just to see those old videos of Vlad taking BP prior to a game, and you see Vlad Jr. in an oversized jersey standing behind him, I'm sure those moments are full circle for Vlad right now. Um, just to see, and, and again, like I said, this is detailing just us getting older in general. Being such a big fan of Vlad Sr. growing up, I watch Vlad Jr., and he's one of the people that I will admit when I watch him play, I watch in complete silence. Because every time I watch him play, I think about his dad. I think about everything his dad went through. I think about his dad having that one ring, right, and and it being so vital to him. And I want to actually make sure Vlad was on that team. I believe Vlad was. But I think about just everything that Vlad stood for and how much I wanted to do more for Vlad, just being an Angel fan, right, wanting more for him and things of that nature. We see it with Dale Curry, right? And Vlad does not have a ring. And I thought so. He was in Montreal at the time when we won our title. That pisses me off. 
Not even going to lie to you. But it's pretty dope to see Vlad be able to live vicariously through his son. And again, he's watching his son do things that he did, right? So you're watching from a, diff from a different vantage point, and not to mention you're watching your son do it at the highest level. Vlad Jr. get a ring before he retires? <laughs> he might. I mean, because he, he's with uh, Toronto, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he might. Or especially if he goes through a different team, he might. Um, but I said all that, like, you should be happy for <laughs> Vlad Jr. Because by being an Angels fan and liking Vlad Sr. It's a win for me. Exactly. No, this is a dub for me. I'm claiming this is a dub. I'm telling you now. I didn't pick him. It's still a dub for me. So either way, no matter how the derby went, you were going to win. Because either... I like the way you think. Either Randy Rosarena was going to win, which was your pick, or Vlad Jr. was going to win, who is the son of Vlad Sr. Can we just end the show now? I mean, there's logic. I have a question for you randomly. How often do you do in-game wagering? Of course, teams that you don't cover. Ooh. Um, <laughs> admittedly, not a lot. Um, the game moves, depending on the game, it moves too fast. Okay. So, I like the fact that you said that because I'm watching the All-Star game, and let's just address this. The viewership is what it is, right? This year's uh, MLB All-Star game, I believe, raked in 7 million viewers. I think the next closest was the NBA with 700,000 less people. And then every other league is significantly down from there. <laughs> that said, two batters into this game, I think I tweeted it, two batters into this game, this All-Star game is already fired than anything we've seen in the last year. You got Adoles Garcia and right field making a jumping catch. And then you got Randy Arozarena robbing Freddie Freeman of a double in left field. I was watching the All-Star game and said, dog, we're two batters in? I said, I'm locked in. I'm, wherever you guys want to go, I'm locked in with it. <laughs> so fast forward to, I believe it was the seventh inning, Elias Diaz comes up, catcher for the Rockies. He comes up. And they say it's his first All-Star game. Obviously, he's pinch hitting. And I look at the score, and it's 2-1 AL. And I said it when he came up. I said, I bet you he is a homer. I didn't think it would be the deciding swing, but I said, I, just the way that this energy feels, you're probably going to give him something to hit. And because it's his first All-Star game and it's my first plate appearance, Matt Kemp said it. When he when he they they talked about his first um, major league at bat, he said I didn't want to go down with a strikeout, so I was going to make contact with something. Trust me, like I don't care if I grounded to the pitcher, I wasn't going to strike out, and I felt that way about 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 um, Elias Diaz. He goes deep to left field. It ends up being a deciding run, or the deciding runs, I should say. He ends up winning the MVP in his first ever All Star game. Couldn't be more happy for him, right? Uh, first Colorado Rocky to win All-Star Game MVP honors. If you look at that franchise, that means something. <laughs> it definitely means something. So shout out to Diaz for that. Um, and shout out for his to his family. He was talking about his family after the fact and just just a great moment for them too. I would, I would assume, obviously seeing your dad or your husband, your son, whatever the case may be, playing in an All-Star Game, it, it does something to you. But seeing him be the deciding run in an All-Star Game, Oh, man, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's still feeling the love as we speak. Not to mention when he gets to Colorado, I'm sure they'll go ahead and uh, rain down some praise on him. Um, but after that, we get right back to baseball, right? We get right back to regular life and the athletics. We'll get right back to a three-game home series against Minnesota. 
Come on, man. It's the AL Central, right? That's what I'm thinking. Like, at least one and two, I think I could see for sure. I'm kind of leaning over towards two and one. I don't think they get all three. I don't think they get all three either. Could they get two of the three, though? Because I think they're going to get one for sure. Like, that I'm pretty sure about. That's why I made that that face at you, because I saw at least one guaranteed. And that's not a good way to start your to come out of the break, right? Considering that you went in on a four-game losing streak, I, I see them maybe getting one. I don't – well, I was going to say I don't see them getting swept, but – I've seen them get swept a lot this year, so I don't necessarily want to say um, that a sweep isn't possible, but I, I see this team probably muscling out one. As it stands right now, of course, they're last in the AL West with a 25-67 and 67 record. Kansas City is a game better in the win column. They are 26-65. and 65. So this is a little event session that I've been trying to prepare for. Did you hear about um, Oakland mayor, and I want to make sure I get her name right. Is it Shane Thao? Did you hear about her meeting with Rob Manfred recently? No. All right, let me go ahead and clip this entire thing because we're going to need this entire thing. I'm going to try to woosah myself. I mean, it's a Thursday night show, so you already know. It's- I'm going to go off the rails, so let's not do that. Yeah. Um, I hate people that don't listen. And what I mean by that is, of all the reports that I've gotten from that meeting, I think Mick Ayers actually said it, uh, Mick Akers rather, uh, actually said it um, on Twitter. And I think a lot of the quotes that I've been getting was, a lot to do about nothing, right? And I say that because Mayor Thao met with Rob Manfred to discuss a potential ballpark for the A's. I have like three things to tell you about why this should have never happened. About three weeks ago, Rob Manfred was interviewed by MLB, and he said at the end of the day he feels bad for the, for the Oakland fans, but the city of Oakland had a chance to do something, and they didn't. And now it's too little too late. Multiple chances. That's the first thing. Second thing, remember two years ago when I talked to Grady Fuson and he told me, um, that wasn't Grady's interview, I said that back. Remember I was speaking to somebody from the, uh, from the executive side of the A's and they said, they're voting on a stadium that we haven't approved. So the city of Oakland can vote on whatever ballpark they want. We haven't seen it. So therefore, we're not moving. That's number two. Matt, when I tell you this, you're probably going to hit the ceiling. Do you know that when negotiations started, the Oakland A's told the city of Oakland one thing, to do not directly communicate with Rob Manfred? So explain to me why Rob had a meeting this weekend. Were there any details about the meeting? A lot to do about nothing. It sounds like Rob showed up because he was requested and probably ended it by saying, it's too late now. Yeah. I mean, if you're Oakland, it's over. Like, just... 
except the fact that the team is probably going to be <coughs> here within the next two years, three years, three years, twenty six. Yeah, and if, not, if they don't, am I getting the NBA team mixed up with that? No, I think both for twenty six. Remind me about the NBA team. There's, they they took a pretty big step forward today. A huge step. Really big. Uh, this whole summer league, they've been taking leaps, but whatever. Yeah, no, they they took a they took way more than just a leap today, um, for good reason. But to the A's, um, yeah, I mean, look, you you obviously can't keep playing in the dump that is the Coliseum. I mean, it's it's probably the worst stadium in all of sports. Players have told me it's not close. It is by far the worst stadium in sports, at least in baseball for sure. They might they might honestly think about playing at Cashman Field before they think about going back to play at the Coliseum. Cashman has some renovations. It's not saying much. Um, I got to get out of here. <laughs> I got to go. I, I can tell where this is going. But I think, like, Vegas has a lot more to offer. It's a growing sports market. Right. And the A's want to be in Vegas. They don't want to be in Oakland anymore. They're tired of Oakland playing all these games of, oh, we're going to give you this proposal, or we're going to give you this thing, or we're going to propose this stadium. Like, Oakland made that last-ditch effort for that stadium. And then nothing's came about it. I just don't, like, for instance, a lot of people may not understand why I'm so frustrated by this is because I have been in certain negotiations where the other side will tell you, don't go to social media with it, um, don't mention anything of it. They'll, they'll give you whatever their one or maybe two don'ts are. If you were to ever deviate from that, talks are broken off. We're not even talking anymore. So Oakland, the moment you requested this meeting with Rob Manfred, if I'm the A's, done deal. I'm going to Seattle, dog. I'm going to Idaho. I'm going to Wyoming. I'm going anywhere but Oakland because I gave you one thing not to do, and you still did it. Oakland doesn't deserve a team, dog. I mean, you look at it, within the last five years, they have lost all their sports teams. Yeah. Or about to lose all their sports teams, I should say. Oakland, the Oakland A's technically still in Oakland, but, I mean, you lose the Raiders to Vegas. Which is probably going to happen anyway. You lose the Warriors to San Francisco. Which was going to happen, but you still could have built a, a stronger bond between those two. You're about to lose the A's to another destination, probably Vegas. That's entirely y'all fault. Y'all smoked that one by yourselves. And now you're left with no sports teams. I mean, you, if you want to go across the bridge to San Fran, more than welcome to. They got you're going to have to. They got plenty of sports teams over there. But... Again, it's it has to do with the city of Oakland. If you are the Oakland mayor, you've got to do better. You and granted, she's only been the mayor for this year, since this year. So maybe she wasn't the original mayor that was told not to go ahead and do it. You still got to do better. However, you got the relayed message of the last mayor was told not to do this. You got to believe it applies to you too. Yeah, I don't think the Oakland A's just looked at it and looked at it and went, "Oh, you're the new mayor." Never you can mind. go talk to my boss. Bro, what? Yeah, no. <laughs> Bro, what? Because, yes, now, people may be sitting at home thinking, oh, well, what if the the, the A's go to Rob Manfred and they say, oh, Oakland hasn't um, given us this, but Oakland actually has offered it. This is where just true life needs to come out and people need to stop thinking that everything is so surface level. 
if a person tells you something off the record, eight times out of 10, they don't care if it gets out. They just don't want to be attached to it. Right. Are we serious? Are we seriously believing that Oakland couldn't come out with details about what they were offering the A's if they were offering them anything of, of, of substance? They could have done it anonymous, anonymously if they wanted to. Dog, you can give the report to a reporter. You can have somebody randomly tweet it. You can have something. Bro, it's a million different ways to do it. I told you not to talk to my boss. And you called him. The NBA, Guess where I'm not playing anymore? In Oakland. The NBA is a mastermind at this, by the way, of getting information out to the people before they announce it. You just don't. Prime example. You just Our team here in Vegas. Yep. We have known about this since 2019. Yep. I was talking to Dave McMenamin two days ago, who covers the Lakers nationally. I said, Dave, we've known about the Lakers, about the, the team here in Vegas since what, 2019? We couldn't go live about it until last year. Yeah, we had to sit on that information for three years. People may be sitting there saying, well, why didn't you break the news? Why didn't you break the news? Because that's negotiations. If I break that, or if I break that news, those negotiations may fall. However, the league never put it out. The league did a great job of making sure that that information was out, but they didn't say it till last year. It has been the NBA's worst kept secret that Seattle and Vegas were getting the team since 2019. They didn't say a word till last year. That's how negotiations are done, guys. And now it's all confirmed. And now, and I say that because the league really does a lot of this where if there's a big rule change coming, if there's something major about the league that's going to happen, you'll notice in the first couple days before the actual announcement, they'll leak it to somebody. It always happens. They'll say, hey, go put this out. But make it seem like it's sources or coming from you or whatever. Basically not attaching the league to the announcement. But by the way... A tweet would be structured or whatever post might be. Like, you can tell certain ways of how things are structured. You can tell who it's from. Like, a lot of times you can tell, oh, this is from the league. Right. They're just giving us a heads up on this before they make the actual announcement. Because mm -hmm. in 2019, we heard it via word of mouth. And then we were, well, I was told specifically. Like, somebody told me specifically, like, no, it's happening. And, and Brian's probably going to be a part of the ownership group. It's no coincidence that this new CBA has it structured in that you can be an active player and have an ownership stake in a team. That is the LeBron James rule, guys. In case you guys did not know, Bron came out last year and said, Adam Silver, I have interest in that Las Vegas team. Well, and then we, you know, fast forward to today, a, you know, tweet from a pretty trusted source comes out and says, yeah, Vegas and Seattle is, is all done. Like, that's confirmed. It's going to happen. It, all we're waiting for is TV deals. TV deals, ownership, and for the league to make the actual official announcement. And I think it's one more thing, naming rights. Naming rights to figure out where the team is going to play because I also don't think, and this is not something that I'm, I'm breaking because I don't know this to be a fact. They are still checking for it. I don't believe that the Sphere has been a 2K24 Summer League basketball for six of the last seven days. I talked to David Miniman and I said, where do you think that they would play? First thing came out of his mouth, he was like, well, T-Mobile makes sense, right? I said, it actually doesn't. I said, yes, you have the Knights. 
I said, but Dana White has carte blanche at that damn T-Mobile. Until Dana White builds his own, not an, not an apex, until he builds his own arena out here, which he is, he's going to do, he's going to be at that T-Mobile arena. International Fight Week is going to happen at the T-Mobile arena. That said, where do they play? T-Mobile. They've thought about it. I think the sphere makes a lot of sense. They won't. How many people are in the sphere? Capacity. Uh, probably 17, 18. It, ooh, I hate to say that, but it probably won't be the case if the Thomas and Mac can give you close to 19. They won't put them there either. No, no, they're not, they're not going to the Thomas and Mac. But what I'm saying is they're not going to play in a place that has a, a smaller capacity than the Thomas and Mac. And that the sphere is specifically set aside for concerts. Shows. Yeah, so they're not going to. I, I say T-Mobile because Bill Foley's already came out and said, come on in. Like, we're, we're happy to have you. I'm sure you are. Trust me. I'm sure you're very happy to have them. I don't know if all things being juggled makes sense. I don't know. I would be curious if, if who has primary ownership of T-Mobile. Because if it's Bill Foley. He can do what he wants. He could tell Dana White, go take a hike. Like, this team's coming into play. But I, Dana and his relationship with Vegas is so tight. It's so tight. I mean, but if you're Bill Foley, this is your prime opportunity. If you're Bill Foley, do you want to piss off the Fertitas? And I know that you're a billionaire too, but do you want to do that? No, have him be an owner in the league, in the uh, team that's coming to Vegas and make even more money. Because that's exactly what this NBA team's going to do when they get to Vegas is make a lot of money. Make a hell of a lot of so money. So you might as well jump on board now. If you're the Fertitas, if you're any of these wealthy owners that want a piece of the ownership. And Dana's, I'm not going to say Dana's driven by dollars, but Dana understands dollars. So I feel like if the Fertitas tell him, hey, we're eating off of this. Jump on board. Maybe you make it work. Be a minority owner, whatever the case may be. You know, we see this all the time where we have, because I'm, I'm assuming that A, LeBron's going to be a at least a minority owner right. in the team. Whatever percentage that is, 10, 15 percent, who right. knows? Um, there's probably gonna this team's probably gonna be split up in terms of ownership amongst different sets of minority owners. You might have I hate to say it. Oh God. Bill Bill Foley might actually be interested in owning owning the team, team and that's what I, I mean, was gonna say. I mean, this guy owns Bill everything. Bill owns everything here in Vegas. If it's not if it's not a Fertita tie to it, it's probably a Foley tie to it. You might be careful with that though, because he might mess around and make he might put a Knight's name in the team. No. He's got a weird attachment with the Knights. Bill, you have a max of two names. I mean, of two of, of two words. So you got Las... Or no, no, I take that back. You got three. You got Las Vegas. So that means you got one left. Knights. You got one left. <laughs> don't vote. say that. He would vote for Please, God, don't say that. No, you can do the Knights because then they'll get way too confused in Vegas. People will be like, who are you talking about? Especially both teams are decent. No comment. Which, that's the other thing. It sounds like these are going to be expansions. Yes, they so, will be. So there's a chance if you draft well, this team could be pretty good. I mean, but not to sound like that, but they're not going to be, let me not say not, but nine times out of ten, they're not going to be Vegas go tonight expansion good. So with that being said, if this team wins 30 games, and they go 30 and 52 at four an expansion, that might be pretty good. Get a pretty good draft pick out of it. So, I mean, who, who knows what ultimately it boils down to, but... This team here in Vegas, for me, the biggest thing is trying to figure out where they're going to play because we know that they're coming. We know who's going to be a part of the ownership group. We don't know what the roster looks like, but the biggest question for me left is where are they playing? I think 
they might honestly have their own stadium, but temporarily they could probably play at T-Mobile and just have a similar. Any other arenas? Um, any other casinos got arenas? Because we're not going to the Orleans. No, nope. work that out. <laughs> God, no. Not for the NBA team. Mm-mm. Um, Thomas and Mack, mm, no. You think they could play at Thomas and Mack until the, until the stadium is built? Because I did hear something about, this was two years ago, 2021, I heard of a stadium being built that was going to be centered around basketball with the hopes of bringing more college basketball, like March Madness to it. If it's a basketball-based arena, I mean, Thomas and Mack, basketball as a whole. They could play him at Thomas and Mack. I think if they're going to, they're obviously pursued T-Mobile as the number one option. Right. It's the nicest arena around in town. For sure. You want to put the newest commodity in the nicest digs. If T-Mobile isn't an option, your next best option is probably Thomas and Mack. Because capacity-wise, you can, you can accommodate a lot of people capacity-wise. And I just realized that when I went to go inhale just now, I, I'm pretty sure you guys heard me wheeze. So if you guys are followers of this show, you guys know I have asthma. That's what happens when you can't breathe through your nose and you're relying solely on your lungs as an asthmatic. Worst thing in, worst thing in history. Um, I'm going to be honest. I know that the people who built the sphere say it's mainly built for, for shows and everything. I want to see it. I got to see the inside. I want to see it. And I'm not saying that it wouldn't excel at shows because it looks like it's going to be kick-ass with shows. But I also don't think I'll be able to see it and for me to look at somebody and say, so you telling me you couldn't put a team in here? Yeah, I mean, I'd have to see what the inside is. I have to see what the inside looks like. We've seen plenty of the outside. That's what I said. I'm like, I got to see what the inside of this thing looks like. like. And just from the outside, I mean, it's a hell of an attraction. Yeah, but, I mean, like you said, we might see the inside of the scene and go, oh, okay, this is why they said it was only designed It's going to look like an IMAX theater inside of it, what? They're going to have the 3D glasses. Don't say that. Um, Do you know the first show? Didn't you tell me? You too. Yeah. I'm not even the biggest U2 fan, dog, but if it means going to see the first show at the Sphere, I might go. I'm not even going to lie to you. Um, The Aviators are back in town this weekend. The boys are back in town. Those are my guys. Shout out to D Hoop. Shout out to Hoop because he asked me my top three uh, teams to cover. Mm. Not sport, people, like teams to cover. I was go- He asked me my favorite one. I was going to give him my top two. He said, you can go ahead and give me three because I know the Aviators are in there. And I said, no, they're absolutely in there. They're number three. And then I got the Aces at two and I got the Lady Rebels at one. That's just energy. Just best energy to be around. But the Aviators are back in town. Three games against the interstate rival Reno Aces of the Arizona Diamondbacks organization. They played nine games this year. Four and five. Four and five for the Aviators against the Aces. Big series. A lot on the line. I know it's early in the second part of the season, but it still matters, and it matters a lot. As of right now, the Aviators are eight and four overall. They're first in the PCL West. But again, you guys know how this works this year. Everybody is chasing or everybody is fighting for position in the entire PCL. So the East and the West is pretty much mixed up. You also have Round Rock sitting with an 8-4 and four record, so they're tied right now with the Aviators, and then everybody's looking up at Albuquerque, sitting at 9-3. and three. I'm just happy to write another team down other than OKC. Not going to lie to you. Fair enough. And they still might win the second half. <laughs> just to kind of give you an idea of how dominant the Dodgers and their organization continues to be, OKC is not far behind Round Rock in the East. Um, you got anything else? They got to win at least two or three. 
So I'm gonna say aviators. That, yes, they so got to get two or three at least. They get, for the, just take that as a rule of thumb going forward for a lot of these series. They got to win the majority of these series. They can't be splitting. They can't be, you know, winning one of three or one of four. No, they they've got to take the majority of the games in the series. They have no choice, especially if they want to uh, keep their pace that they have. And on top of that, you're still one even with the pace that you have. You're a game behind the the ultimate goal, which is winning this second half. Um, I guess it's a foregone conclusion for the Vegas Nighthawks. Speaking of Bill Foley, uh, they are five and nine on the year. Relax, that's bad. You know that we record this, right? I know. Like people can see your facial expression. Good. All right, never mind. Never mind. I don't even know why, why I even brought it up. Uh, playoff bracket is set next week. We will go, or Monday rather, we'll go ahead and go over everything in terms of the IFL season because the Nighthawks, for the second straight year of their existence, they will not be in it with their 5-9 uh, and nine record. They are tied for last in the West. I think it's a three-way tie with uh, three 5-9 and nine teams. But they end the season on the road at San Diego. So at least you get to go party it up in San Diego afterwards, right? <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to leave that alone. I mean, win or lose, season's over. I'm going to party. <laughs> win or lose, if I'm somebody on that team, I'm going to go party. That's a good way to look at it. I season's probably, over. I probably would because you're either going to be 5-10 and 10 or you're going to be 6-9. and nine. We stink either way. <laughs> I'm leaving. I'm going to go party, dog. Right. What? And it takes place on Saturday, 7 p.m. Not to mention this team is 1-5 on the road this year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, this team stinks. Let's just call that what it is. That's funny. Let's see what my dad's tip-in is, and let's get out of here. My dad's tip-in comes from last Thursday, as a matter of fact. He said, I just read an article regarding former Cincinnati Bengals running back Corey Dillon, and he was ripping the Bengals' ring of honor selection process. Interesting. In an interview with The Athletic that was released last Thursday, the Bengals' all-time leading rusher didn't hold back when bashing the franchise's process that features votes from season ticket holders and suite holders. He said that it was, quote, garbage, and the selection should be done directly by the front office or a special committee. This only, remi- this only reminds me of a, tra- of a travesty going on in Dallas. I don't know what the Dallas Cowboys process... <laughs> Never mind, I'm sorry. I don't think I ever know what the Dallas Cowboys process is because Jerry Jones runs it. That's all. I don't think he knows what his process is. So he said, I don't know what the Dallas Cowboys process is, but I'm sure that Jerry Jones has the final say, if not the only say, in who goes in and who doesn't. From the Jimmy Johnson Cowboys team that won back-to-back championships in Super Bowl. That, why did he give me Roman numerals? I don't know. I'm with you. <laughs> Dog, what? I'm not even going to hold you, bro. What is that, Super Bowl 27 and 28? Is that the last? I think. <laughs> and gifted Barry Switzer with Super Bowl 30. Um, well, again, with the same team that Jimmy Johnson built. And some of those same players, including the original triplets, Emmett, Troy, Michael Irvin, have all been added to the Cowboys' ring of honor with the general who let these great teams being left off. Personally, I think it's pretty obvious that Jerry still hasn't gotten over the fact that Jimmy left on his own accord after those back-to-back championships because of the famous difference of opinion on who should really be running the team. When are you going to learn, Jerry? You haven't had a good championship run since Jimmy. And because he wouldn't bend to your every whim, you have hired nothing but yes men ever since. And how has that worked out for you? Dallas was 11-2 in the playoffs from 1991 to 1995 with that dynasty. The Cowboys have a 4-11 record in the playoffs between June 4th, 19, 
98 in June 4th of this year. Jerry, please let the players play and let the coaches coach. That's what you pay him for. They're here, right? I don't know, man. I tell you all the time, I love him. My dad has tip-ins like that. I'm, I'm done. I'm absolutely done. Until next time, guys. Keep on talking. <laughs>